Vernomatic Productions. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy holidays. Memorial Day weekend 2023. Tonight, we got a crossover episode with our friends from the Talk Louder podcast. Metal Dave Glessner and Jason McMaster. We're tackling the subject Metallica with a brand new CD and a huge stadium tour. Is the end closer than we think? We're going to tackle those subjects and talk about the hugeness that is Metallica. But let's remember what this weekend is really about. Those that have served for our country, lost their lives, have long-term disabilities and families affected by the gruesome reality of war. So enjoy this episode. If you see a veteran, tip your hat, shake their hand, you know, just um, be cool to uh, your fellow citizens. That's what this is all about. So let's get into this. Another special edition of Rock and Roll Detention. I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Ah, look, you're back in detention. Got it. But this time, you won't be throwing pencils up into the ceiling tiles the entire time. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horn. Your proctors expect you to be on your worst behavior as they give you remedial instruction in the history of hard rock and metal. You're going to school? Hey, settle down. Here's Vernomatic and Metal Walt with your rock and roll detention. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. As we keep our promise of a rock and roll detention episode... Today, we have the guys from the Talk Louder podcast here, and the subject today, we're talking louder about the current state of Metallica, the release of 72 seasons, the type of tour they're doing, and is the end of Metallica closer than we think? From the Talk Louder podcast, let's welcome Jason McMaster and Metal Dave Glessner. Hey, guys, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. We're, we're doing well, as always, like to reintroduce my co-host, Metal Walt from New Jersey. What's up, guys? Nice to see you again. Hey, Walt. Hanging here in Jersey, right in the middle. It's where the action is. <laughs> so today, May 9th, 2023, let's rewind to May 9th, 1989. We had a release of Dangerous Toys debut album. That's right. You know, yeah. that's right. Now... There you go. Look at this bad boy. That's a beauty, isn't it? Jason McMaster, getting reflections on this album as the lead singer of the band. Does it seem like 35 years ago or what, 36 or whatever? Well, there was a bit of a circle jerk texting going on with me and my bandmates uh, that we all still get along and we're all still in the band. So that's great. Uh, and... Um, I think it was Scott that initiated it. He said, happy 34th anniversary, fellas. And I think it was uh, Mike, bassist Mike Watson, chimed in. He goes, feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> so I don't know about that, but I like his uh, positive attitude on uh, aging. I think that uh I think that the record holds up. Uh there was there's a lot of fanfare on social media currently all day long today and people just chiming in and it's all very very positive. So that's fantastic. Well, you know, it had a lot of great material on that. The the radio hit Sport in a Woody. That came out of nowhere. Songs like Bones in the Gutter, Teasing and Pleasing, that mm -hmm. Deep Cut Outlaw. That's all good stuff. It's the soundtrack of our youth. So, again, happy birthday, Dangerous Toys, and yeah. congratulations. That photo that you guys are looking at on the back of that Dangerous Toys album uh, cover, we went, when we were at uh, Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, the photographer Mark Weiss was there, and he was on our show. Yeah. And uh, he actually took that photo, so we had a great time reminiscing about uh, that day, that photo shoot. Uh so it was great getting his his story on on the uh, on the image you see there, and of course the front cover is classic. So uh, happy thirty fourth, Jason and the guys from Dangerous Toys. It's a great record, and it does Thanks. still hold up. And my vote for my favorite song is Queen of the Nile. That's a good one. Yeah, that you know that album went gold, guys. That album uh, was certified gold, and uh, Jason was kind enough to get me a framed gold copy of it. It's hanging out in my living room. And, and uh, 
Yeah, I think Jason is my only friend that has a gold album out. I think. I could be wrong there. <laughs> That's awesome. But it's hanging proudly in my living room. But Jason, was this one also re-released with like a bonus disc or something? Some extra material on that? No. Not that he's aware. <laughs> if if it did, it was a bootleg and it was someone just trying, it was a sound-alike band. I want to say, God, um, SPV, I think, put put out a double album of uh, the debut and the sophomore, Hellacious Sakers, in a gatefold. And it came, someone in Europe put it together and uh, extensive liner notes and such. And somebody really cool did the liner notes. I can't remember the cat's name. English writer worked for Kerrang and Sounds and all that. Can't think of his name. Mal Malcolm? Malcolm Dome. Might have been Malcolm Dome, yeah. Uh, don't quote me on that, but yeah, it was mm -hmm. someone like that. And anyway, the um, it was cool. Uh, I think it, it was a a limited issue. I I had to buy my own copy because I just thought it was really interesting that you know you're holding it in your hand with it folded. You got the debut and you turn it over and it's the front cover of Hellacious Acres and you open it up and it's got all the it's the respective back covers of each, yeah. but it's all one piece. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of this fan stuff is better than the stuff that's released. It's it's great stuff. As an artist, you must be like, hey, all right, yeah, absolutely. Weird. So, guys, we're here to talk about Metallica in twenty twenty three, right? We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna break down like everybody else does and do a track by track review of the album. Although, let's talk a little bit about the album. But I think what we wanted to talk about here is. What is the message these guys are giving us directly or maybe even subtly? You know, I think some of us think that maybe they're branding themselves for the beginning of the end. And, uh, you know, in a way, or are they subtly hinting about a career wind down? So, Dave, what have you, what, have you been reading any of these articles or interviews with the band? Uh, what's your impression on what they're trying to tell us now in 23? I don't know that they're trying to tell us anything, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I feel like you're going to hear me say this a lot today. And I think a lot of the driving factor behind what Metallica does is simply because they can. And so, you know, I look at this album and I've listened to it a couple times. Uh, it's a good album. I don't know that it's an essential album, but uh, that's not a knock on Metallica either. They're they're well into the game they can do whatever they want um at this point in their career and as far as reading any message into it uh, as far as is this the beginning of the end are they trying to tell us something i i i i don't think that far into it and i'm not sure the band does either i mean you, i feel like you might be over analyzing it if you're looking for some sort of meaning and i could be wrong but I think Metallica does what they do in the past 20 years or more just simply because they can. They're in yeah. a very elite and often unprecedented class of bands that has been able to sustain a decades-long career of filling football stadiums. And that's just, you know, it's crazy. So did they think it was marketing genius to put out an album with Lou Reed? Did they think it was, uh, you know, did they really think that the snare drum on St. Anger was the best it could be? I just think they do what they want to do because they can and and more power to them. Who would who would you put in that group? I would I would argue, you know, in the if you're talking hard rock and heavy metal, I would say that, you know, Iron Maiden might be in that class of bands. And honestly, Maybe no one else. You could talk about the Aerosmiths and the ACDC might be in there. Mm -hmm. You could say Aerosmith, ACDC. Uh, you know, Kiss is still going, but can they play football stadiums all around the world? Uh, yeah. They might play them. Do they sell them out? I don't wow. I, well, I you're, guess not. You're throwing the Rolling Stones. You know, it's a Rolling Stones story. It's. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's where I mean, the Metallica Metallica is now going on, you know, 45 and 50 years. Just like you can say that easily about 
Aerosmith, of course, and and uh, Rolling Stones is where where I'm going with it. Now I'm with you. I I think they are in such an elite the, class. The Rolling Stones have been able to do whatever the hell they want right. forever. So I think that Metallica has reached that status, you know, Led Zeppelin status, you know. But Led Zeppelin broke up when the getting was good, and the Rolling Stones didn't, and they just continued and. It, they've been a brand, you know, for 35, 40 years. They've been a brand almost the whole time. Once they, you know, the 80s came around, they just, they turned into a brand for sure. Yeah, I would agree with Jason. I, I think Metallica is in that class, in that rare air where there's the Rolling Stones and, and maybe no one else. Maybe Iron Maiden right there at their heels. But uh, other than that, if you're talking hard rock and heavy metal, you know, I don't think there's another band in their class. And I think I think too though they're they're it's the mystique around the branding, right? Like these other bands do, right? They are they're not let's be honest, they're not as accessible as they were, right? You're not seeing them out doing two, three, four legs around the states for two or three year periods, right? You're lucky. Like look where, where we are. Right. Just like the Stones. They don't pick have a to. city. You guys are in the in the in the Midwest or South. I'm up in the Northeast. You know, if you don't catch them in Giant Stadium in August, you're not going to see them again unless you travel somewhere for a destination. That keeps the novelty around the mystique. And I would argue again, they do that because they can. Let's be honest, even though they're touring in the greatest of comfort, do, do, do guys their age really want to live on a bus and out of a hotel? I mean, or would you just as you know soon, if you're James Hetfield, you go live on your ranch out in Marin County or whatever and, and enjoy the He's great outdoors. Colorado. Or is he in Colorado now? He's well, been wherever in Colorado he is, a long time. wherever he is, he's got a great deal of peace and quiet, I'm sure. And so, do you want to tour every two or three years, or do you want to take five, six, seven years off and do this at your leisure? And I think, again, they do it because they can. They do it at their leisure, and uh, and I think it makes it exciting for the band, and it certainly builds anticipation with the audience, uh, which is why you have this massive tour that's coming out and they can do multiple dates and they'll sell the tickets, you know? We're all big Metallica fans, but I'm a big Lars fan. And I, I listen to what he has to say. It all started with the St. Anger era. They started the rule two weeks, the most on the road, and then they're off for two weeks. And the reason I started thinking that, Hey, you know, they're planting these seeds is, just like Walt said, the, the 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 shrinking of the tour the last few years. Now, about 10 years ago, they said they don't play more than 50 dates a year. And then Lars was saying, dropping these hints, ah, we got, you know, we got about another 10 years in this. And it just made me start thinking, look at this new tour. They're doing no repeat weekends. And it's almost like a... You have to go see them. They're not coming to your town anymore. It's just another way of Metallica, like you said, Dave, doing whatever the hell they want. But they always break ground. They always do it their way. They always do like, uh, it's like innovative. Did you guys happen to see the first, uh, first week, no repeat weekend, the Amsterdam reviews and the set lists? 32 different songs. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Well, I, I think you bring up a good point. They they do kind of do whatever they want, but they you're right in the sense that they're also smart enough to realize they have to market it with a twist because even if they only did this every five years and it was the same thing over and over every five years, ticket prices are doing nothing but getting more expensive. So you kind of do have to add a twist to it. And I think the no repeat thing, I think the, you know, the alternating opening acts thing is sort of this incentive to make you go, okay, maybe I did see the last tour however many years ago it was, but they're doing something new and different this time. It makes it exciting again. It makes you interested in going. Um, and I think, again, it makes it interesting for the band. It's probably a lot of work to rehearse and, and have all those songs ready to go, but you're Metallica. You rent out the nicest rehearsal space. You work at it for six months or whatever, and and you go knock it out. You know. I'm going to interrupt. Uh, not to. They, I agree wholeheartedly with what David's doing, but I'm, this is where the nerd in me comes in. So they own their own 
they own like five city block. I don't know how big it is warehouses. And that's where they live and rehearse and record their records and write songs with Greg Fiddleman. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, that's an important part of their sanity. Yeah. Um, the way that they're doing everything that we are all chiming in here, uh, as to why, and, and then there's some, be some kind of answer from some of us in this room today is for health, health reasons, uh, because they, they're already, they've already saturated. They've already conquered. Um, they own their own everything. They own their own studio. Every, they own everything. They own the radio stations. They own the venues. <laughs> um, their songs are being played on radio stations that I have a weird feeling. Don't quote me on this. I don't have this information. I don't have any kind of uh, direct you know, bat phone to HQ. But I'll tell you this. They own everything. Uh, they don't have to work their songs at radio. They own the fucking radio. So, mic drop. The, Jason, the one thing you didn't mention in that, they also own their own record-making plant. Yes, they you do. Know, they own everything. They have their, <laughs> they, It's self-sufficient. I mean, they're their own label. Yeah. They're, they're, they've been a brand for a long time now. So when you are a brand and you make, I'm not making fun of them by saying this. When you literally make all the money, you have all the money because there's no middleman. They've paid off every middleman. They own all their masters. They it's it's the smartest thing to do when the idea is cottage industry. So they're a perfect machine that has to stay healthy or they can't or it's over. So I think that having these leisures uh, keeps them sane. I think that uh, James being forthcoming and wearing his heart on his sleeve about his sobriety, about uh, his divorce, about just all of the shit that is real that everyone else deals with, he's got to deal with because, and this is just, for uh you know so i would don't talk for an hour because he's fucking james hatfield mm-hmm. and that's why and i think you're right jason it's 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 perfect in this this whole aura about them they set themselves up subtly where they're working it for themselves right they got the pauses in between shows they don't have to burn themselves out even i mean even think about a luxury of a day off in between a show in new york city or chicago right um you know, and I always say I took a picture of this artwork, right? Because I like the CD. I bought it, but you know what? Look at look at the guys. Look at the forced images here, right? But this is this is these guys in 2023. You know what? Yeah, it's a little bit of acting here, but they look tired. They worn out. It's just it shows a band that's been around for 40 something years, right there. Look at James. He's looking us in the eyes. You know, Jason and I were actually just talking about this the other day, and we were talking specifically about these photos, and you know. Uh, again, I, I I think that you know Jason kept using the phrase they're not trying to hide anything, and I'll let him chime mm-hmm. in here. But I do I love the fact that you can see every little scar and pit yeah. in their face. You can see every little blemish. You can see every little gray whisker. There's yeah. a great level of detail here, and I like that it's black and white. And again, they are not afraid to just be themselves and show who they are. They're not 25 years old anymore. Right. The whole world knows it, and they might as well own it, and they do. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and even mm-hmm. their charitable things, like you know, certain things that come up through the years, right? They're expanding their charities. Um, you know, the mental health aspect, and I think I just saw one recently. I think they're also uh, embracing the whole uh, having a, a sign language interpreter coming at the shows now mm-hmm. too, which is a trend you're starting to see. So I think this is their way of almost giving back now to the community. Maybe is it, as a friend of mine, uh, vinyl Vince from New Jersey said, is it their guilt that's coming out me years later of all the partying years that now they're saying, we're going to be a little more sure responsible because we've worn this on our sleeve. He's owned it. We've been to hell and back. And now it's our time to acknowledge and put it out there that we are real people. Yeah. I, I, I think, 
again, when you uh, achieve what they've achieved, I mean, there's money just spilling out of their ears when they walk down the streets. Why not do something good with it? Why not uh, contribute to some charities or whatever? They've done a really great job with the whole food bank thing in the in the yep, cities yep. where they tour. Uh, I can't remember exactly what their organization is called. But you see that the, at the end of the tours or when they leave a city, they bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars in food donations that go to homeless shelters and food banks and things like that. And, I, you know, I, I think, you know, th these guys are metalheads at the root of it all. They came up, you know, through in around in, in heavy metal circles. I'm not saying that they necessarily came up the hard way. I know Lars had a pretty decent life. James might have been you know, had, had things a little tougher. But mm -hmm. my point is when you're a heavy metal kid in high school, your circle of friends, there's probably some people that had a rough go of, in life. You're, you're exposed to that if you're in that realm of people. And I think it's really cool that if you ever get to a position to do some good with it, that you do it. I mean, it's no skin off their backs. Come on, let's face it. So I applaud them for it. Dave, that it's all within my hands foundation. There you go. Correct. You know, it, you know, all last tour on Death Magnetic and uh, Hardwired, oh, that whole tour, you know, you always see these, uh, it's like a golf tournament. They have the big checks and they're donating it to the city that they're in, $70,000, $80,000. they're good people. They really are. And, well, go back on what you were saying. I don't think they're uh, trying to, you know, any penance for past sins. You know, oh. James has been battling this for 25 years the sobriety he's yeah. been battling the you know the yeah. addiction his whole life and um kirk just recently came out and said that he's been sober nine years yeah and without the fanfare and even lars i was watching something the other night he says he really doesn't drink anymore it's um yeah. you know what maybe once a month now he has to do two hours of the peloton every day just to get to the point of where he was before and Rob, I think it's just in his genes. The guy looks great, and these guys are like close to sixty. But um, we uh, uh we did our history of heavy metal series nineteen ninety three last week, guys, and we pulled out um the live binge and purge box set, and we were talking mm -hmm. about that, and that's not that long ago, thirty years ago. But you think about how groundbreaking that packaging and the concept was at that time, right? Multiple CDs, tracks from Mexico City. You know, VHS taps from uh, a couple of different cities around the U.S., but just even the title, like you, you wouldn't get away with that in 2023. And I don't think the band would be comfortable naming something like that anymore. Right. So it just tells you sort of their growth and that who they are now at, in, at 60 year old something guys. That's yeah. a great point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I I buy that. I mean, at the end of the day, they're human beings and they're and they're mature. They're grown middle aged men at this yeah. point. I mean, uh, all of us <laughs> have to come yeah. to terms with that at some point. And if at least if you're smart, you know. Uh, but I agree. I mean, we don't have to look too far back into the to the past to see things that would just make us cringe today, you know. And some of that is uh, society or the society that surrounds us, and some of it is. In between our own ears, we're just grown men with a, a, a broader sense of what's uh, acceptable, not acceptable, uh, that sort of thing. The the uh, the binge and purge, the the day in a life of, and the binge and purge, and those projects that they did, those were massive undertakings because of the years of touring they did. All right, we're going on tour for three years or something right. crazy like that yeah. so uh you know recording a few of the concerts and throwing some cds and some vhs tapes and now it's on dvd of course and now it's all digital you can buy i'm sure from their websites and such they that is uh it was the undertaking because they were uh still saying fuck it back then you know i can see lars coming in going all right you guys ready we're going on tour forever yeah. <laughs> and well, and every, all the guys were like fuck it let's go hand me the bottle you know i i don't ever want to say metallica is tired i think the haters would say that i would never say that i'm too big uh, of a fan and have a lot of respect for all of them past and present jason 
um, you know, even Dave uh, Mustaine. It's a small club, you know, the members who have past and current. It's a small club, mm -hmm. still a very small club. And just the just where Metallica has been invited by the world to just be Metallica, that's where they are now on this this new record. I I don't really know what to think as I stare at this black and yellow striper color theme here. <laughs> um but it it doesn't really thank you. It doesn't really bother me, but it's the first thing I think of cuz I'm just a rock nerd, but I don't really understand I'm just being completely straight with you guys. If I look at the song titles, uh I'm I've I don't know if I've heard yeah, yeah, I've heard Screaming Suicide. I've heard Lexiturna. And I've heard uh If Darkness Had a Son. And honestly, fellas, that's it. That's all those are the only tunes I've heard off this record. So uh if you need me to quietly Cat. leave the room, I will. But uh <laughs> just being straight with you. <laughs> I would have liked to have been in the meeting where they were deciding on the the color scheme for the artwork because it uh, definitely jumps out at you and uh, and you're you're not going to lose it. <laughs> but striving striving to do something different is has been happening with these guys for a long time now. And right. I go back again to they do it because they can. And yeah, I, I listen to the record and um you know, if you go back to that track listing um, I thought it started off pretty strong. I like the first three songs. The The title track may be my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, Shadows Follow, Screaming Suicide, all good stuff. And then I get a little lost. I jump to, I like uh, Lux Eterna. I like Chasing Light. Uh, That's a Room, great one. Room of Mirrors is a great one. Um, so to me, it's like, uh, it's kind of a mix of sort of their earlier thrash stuff. Uh, mixed in with a lot of kind of what I hear echoes of like the Black Album, where they kind of got away from being thrash all the time and started mixing in just some some heavy, uh, you know, hard rock, heavy metal, if you will. But not every song is is thrashing. And uh, so I, I think they mixed it up well. And they're having some fun with it because the thrashing stuff is still pretty thrashing. I'll say that. 72 Seasons and, uh, and Room of Mirrors, there's some good stuff in there. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff on there, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with um, Hardwired, but I hear I've I've dissected this. This has been in my CD player in my truck for three weeks, and the only thing I could tell you, Jason, if you haven't listened to it yet, and Dave, you've listened to it a couple times, mm -hmm. just keep listening to it continuously, and you will start. Oh, that's a riff. Oh, that's. And then you start hearing stuff like, hey, that's that's like load stuff. Hey, that's something from Magnetic. And that's part of my thinking about this may be their last full-length album. And it covers their entire chapter of their career because now you're starting to have the first four, and then the next four with the black and the loads. And now you got three in the last chapter with Magnetic and Hardwired and now 72 Seasons, in this narrative of the band not, you know, putting out Master of Puppets uh, 2, well, unfortunately, that band ended with the passing of Cliff. There is no ifs, ands, that, or buts. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There, there's and, and, nothing it could have done. And they're, they're grown men again. And like Jason said earlier, they, they probably have more to say these days. And some mm -hmm. of what they want to say doesn't necessarily align itself to this speedy, thrashy, aggressive, 100 miles an hour all the time kind of stuff. Um, John, what you're talking about, sort of, you hear bits and pieces of, of various uh, stages of their career. And I think that's a reflection of the guys just growing musically, you know, they kind of stepped out of that thrash zone a while back and they kind of dip a toe back into it every once in a while, but they've experimented with a lot of different sounds over the years. And if you're, you know, 60 some years old, maybe what you have to say isn't said with speed and aggression anymore. Maybe the message sounds better 
with something more plodding or something a little more atmospheric or whatever. So I think it's all the whole thing to me is just a natural progression of 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 maturation. And to me, that's just a natural part of living. They just happen to be artists that produce a product that sells a bazillion copies right out of the gate every time. I got to say something The like to me, this, the concept of 72 seasons, I went, well, what the hell does that mean? You know? And then when they explain it, you're like, now all of a sudden I'm fascinated about a, like a, a subject matter. Wait, wait, your 18, first 18 years of your life dictate who you are. The four seasons of growing up, and then you think about every family. We're all fucked up. We all have problems, and right, you go, "Holy shit!" And I got an eighteen-year-old son, and I'm like, "Man, I should let him play this, <laughs> and let him think about <laughs> the hards, the ups and the downs that James is expressing here." So I think, like, from a conceptual product, this is like a mature thing that you could give it to somebody. I thought of this often. You can give this to somebody that maybe is going through substance abuse issues or mental health, and you could almost say. Put yourself in the shoes of this, and maybe you can relate to this. A little uh, fact check, Jason. Uh, I was checking something else here. In the CD booklet, there are some additional pictures that are not visible maybe here. There's the burnt guitar, the burnt drums, and it appears to be a pile of burnt LPs and a pair of burnt sunglasses, which I think Kirk used to wear sunglasses all the time. So more analogies to them as people, right? And the album clocks in at 72 minutes. Don't know if you saw that one. Ah, oh, I did not see that. Yes, if you pop it in your CD player like I have, it comes in at 72, 72 minutes and 15 seconds. Clever, clever. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I hate to I hate to destroy anybody's theory or whatever, and I think it's all it all makes great discussion, but I, I, I'd be really surprised if we were able to talk to the guys in the band and find out there's as much into it as as some people might be reading into this. I, again, think this is a collection of songs made by middle-aged men, past middle age, who are comfortable in their skin and they're doing what they want to do. And I think they're smart guys, so of course there's going to be some uh, message maybe in the lyrics, uh, but I don't know that there's any hidden meanings. I don't know that it's necessarily an attempt at therapy um i could be wrong but i i think i think this is just art for the sake of art but it's coming from the point of view of guys who are in their 60s and they've seen it all done it all and they're seasoned music uh seasoned musicians at this point jason i want to ask you something as a musician when someone mentions metallica what is the industry's opinion of them jason newstead just recently came out and said that uh listen everyone gives lars shit that he can't do fills like Dave Lombardo or this or that. He is so far above and beyond what he, his contribution that made Metallica where they are that you just don't get it. I think that people who are enamored by Metallica and have where, you know, Metallica speaks to them because Metallica speaks to me. Um, even, even as a brand, I feel like where they've taken this is, monolithic i can't you know no one can disagree with that but to ask your question you know just people who are musicians in bands they're they're just regular people with the same problems but i think that it, once you're a fan you are able to stay a fan um so people in the industry can talk good or bad. It doesn't mean that they're up on 72 seasons or even the last two records, three records. That would be me. I, you know, I, I honestly, I, I, I call myself a fan, but you know, even death magnetic, I heard it and I, I was like, that, that's, that's great, but I don't own it. Uh, when I listen to Metallica, I'm probably going to listen to something that it's like comfort food, right? So <clears throat> I'll, I'll go to probably master, right? Just like everybody else will go to master. If it's anthrax, it's among the living. It's comfort food. You know, it reminds yeah. me of a time. It reminds me where they are now. I think the industry knows all of this. Uh, and I think that when they talk about 
you know, Metallica, they're going to be positive because they're in the industry. And I'm talking about, I don't know, I don't want to drop anybody's name. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. Uh, and I feel like I might have to to answer your question. But as far as where I'm coming from, because that's all I've got is my, my, to quote James, honesty is my only excuse. I will tell you that I think that anything that they're doing now is probably a decision made uh, between, as far as songs, let's talk about the last few records. <clears throat> More than that, uh, probably the last five records. I think Greg uh, Fiddleman has a big say in what's working for Metallica. I think that whoever is in there sitting at the war table when they have meetings at HQ, I think that it's like a board of directors. I think that there are decisions being made that way about what they're doing. It could be, you know, an attorney. Uh, I don't know if anybody's therapist is at the meeting, but there very well could be. Uh, but I really think that, and I don't know um, where Metallica is as a brand, as a band, as a touring phenomenon, as a as a trying new things and and all of that. I I want to say the genesis of that is Lars talking the other guys into it. I got a question for one of you guys. Sure. Maybe it's Dave going back to the tour. Is this the set list we're going to get? Are we going to get? We're not going to. I just think we're not getting just these two set lists. We're going to get this is a set list A and B, and we're going to get a C, D, E, F, G, and H. No way in hell that the next time they play in Paris, we're getting the same show. Agree? Disagree? Um, I, I would disagree. Um, and I say that because I think there's enough, <laughs> there's obviously enough songs there to, for, for two entirely different, uh, shows. Uh, and here's the other thing that stage production revolves around this set list or that set list. So you can't just willy nilly start throwing in set lists. Now, again, it is Metallica, so they could have production for four different shows that revolves around four different set lists. But I would think even that might be a little ambitious, even for a band as big as Metallica. My point is that, uh, as I think we all know, a, a, a band can't just go on tour and decide in the middle of a show one night, hey, somebody's holding up a banner for such and such a song. Let's just whip that one out. Because <laughs> the whole light show and production and everything and the runtime revolves around the set list, the machinery. Um, I. I have to excuse me. I have to disagree because I've been watching that Amsterdam, the two nights in Amsterdam. Have you seen the stage? I have not. It's, so you you have an advantage over me. I haven't seen it. it so I'm just speaking out it, of uh, you know. It's very. It's very. Not, I don't want to say it's sort of bland. It's simple, and I understand the whole. You know, you just can't have a million songs because different guitars with different keys and you know all that jazz. But there's um not a lot of uh not a lot of lights. It's it's sort of bare boned. Uh, okay. it's massive. It's massive. There's not much take a peek at it if you got time. Go on YouTube in Amsterdam last weekend and Well time will tell, right? Because we got what? Let's yeah. see, the next show's coming up or in Paris uh, a week from this weekend. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they could very well be building in some flexibility by keeping the stage production to a minimum by Metallica standards. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess it's possible. A point I wanted to make, and I wanted to go back to something that John asked Jason earlier about what does the industry think and what do the people think and all this thing. Uh, th at the end of the day, I mean, this is something that's obvious to all of us. Metallica is an easy target. They're so friggin' big that they're going to be divisive one way or another. People are going to love them or people are just going to want to talk trash about them because they've been around for too long and people are bored with them or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, you could say that's a great place to be, you know, 
if you're that big that people have an opinion about you, you're obviously still relevant. And um, I think that for me personally, I I have not run out and bought the last four, five, six Metallica records. Uh, I'm just not that excited about them as a band anymore. But I will sit here in the same breath and say, you could never get me to say anything bad about them. They were game Amen. changers. They stepped up. They made every other band step up. Amen. They absolutely changed the landscape. They're still doing it. They do it on their terms. This is a band whose debut album was called Kill Em All. This had no, no recipe for success <laughs> at all. And they've sustained a massive, massive, massive career out of it. And I applaud them. And if you're that big and you're, you know, sort of like the banks, too big to fail, you're going to have people that love you for it and you're going to have people that hate you for it. But at the end of the day, they're still out there. They're still doing it. So my hat's off to them. Well said. What uh, would what, you guys take on this uh, power trip gig in October? <laughs> well, first off, they shouldn't call it that because uh, fans of the band power trip don't yeah. really understand why they had to. It's too soon. It is too soon. It's too and soon it's... is all is, is what the kids used to say. It's too soon, man. Um, but, and, but and if anyone who's listening isn't aware of the band power trip, go look them up awesome band out of texas that is no more but uh they were a great 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 band go ahead jason i didn't mean to i, I think these are uh, um these are some of the these are the biggest bands in the world yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> these yeah these, there's no there, this is led zeppelin and black sabbath and you know i don't know this, these are the biggest bands that you could have the only question I have here is was there not a sixth band they could have put on here that fit more appropriately with these other five bands than Tool? Hmm. Uh, I think that Tool adds something a little bit different than the old Hesher, Tailgater, rock and roll, heavy metal, headbanger, parking lot bullshit. I think Tool has a little bit of a thinking man's thing going on as opposed to other things yeah. i think adding tool was their attempt to sort of bring in a generation of metal fans hard rock fans that didn't grow up on let there be rock and and killers you know yeah at uh, least on at least on that sunday night right there the that metallica's playing i think that that's a great pairing for metallica and metallica probably chose someone like that or, or may have had you know it just it makes sense to me just like those other those other two nights, those lineups make sense to me. So <clears throat> uh, Metallica seems to pride themselves in, in adding something a little bit different if there is even need for an opener. Yeah, I, Do, I agree with Jason. Tool kind of makes sense with Metallica. I, I just think they have a lot of crossover fan base, and, uh, and, and I, I think it works. But but the question is, was there not a sixth, a Judas Priest? Are they not mm. big enough? I see what you're saying. I like, um, you're saying. I'm nothing against Tool, and I get what you guys are saying. Yeah, it's but it, it just looks at it, it's like yeah, Metallica, DC, GNR, Maiden. I don't know what's going on with Ozzy. That's you know whatever. But you know, was there not another sixth for? Because remember, guys, five years ago. At the same site, this is the site of Coachella. They had another one of these, but it was it was like the Stones. Uh, oh, the Roger, who? Yeah, it was a bunch of yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Roger Waters. Um, you know that kind of the big wigs of that kind of scene. Mm -hmm. So that's when yeah. I looked at this and I was like, and Guns and Roses headlining over Maiden. Ah, yeah, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah, I'm not really looking at it like that. I mean, you could you could say, you know, Ozzy headlining over ACDC, you know, it still kind of works for me either. It just depends on which way I lean my head, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that probably probably a scheduling conflict on someone else like like a like a Judas Priest to use your, you know, your choice. Exactly. I think Judas Priest would have been a total obvious thing here. 
um, even over Tool, and you know Lars wouldn't have wouldn't have batted an eye at having Priest on the same night with Metallica for sure. But I probably that's why I'm I'm just I'm just guessing I'm peeing in the wind here because mm-hmm. I don't know you know who who knows nobody knows but uh, scheduling because Judas Priest is sort of they're in the wings right now they might be writing right uh, they are writing yeah and, there's things going on I, Ozzy is what? Ozzy gonna show up well that was you talk about yeah. the six band you need a six band as a backup just in case oh is that what you're talking about. I don't think no, he no, was, no, but no. I think oh. it's a practical thing. And and the other thing I thought yeah. of is we don't know about Brian Johnson. Is Guns N' Roses there on the Friday just in case Brian can't do it? Axel walks in on a Saturday and helps him out. <laughs> oh, this that's, heavy that's, metal that's conspiracy now. No, but he's right. Well, you're right. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't. I don't want that to happen. But do you don't think somebody thought that through? I damn bet. Well, they did. I think uh, I think Brian's going to make it. I mean, they're they're not on tour. Right. Ozzy's not on tour. He can probably waddle up and do. Sorry, Ozzy, and 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 probably do an hour. Right. And probably be okay, but you know, he's not really doing great. No. Yeah, and, and same with Brian. That that's a very valid point. This is probably going to be his one show out of the whole year, and I think he can get up and 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 pull that off. If right. if they were currently out on tour. I'd be concerned that he can show up, you know, but I think uh, he's well rested. Uh, we're talking about what an hour and a half on stage. He should mm. probably, he should be able to pull it yeah. off. I would think. Don't do not be surprised if there's not uh, an ACDC tour announced later. Yeah. On. You, you, you could. Yeah. You know, I've been waiting because, uh, you know, that power up record power is a up, really yeah. good record. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about I was thinking uh, leading into this conversation today, what bands are out there that have that have been around for decades that still do arenas and how many of them have put out what you would consider an essential album in the later half of their career. And honestly, I don't think any of them have. But I will say that the last ACDC record is a really solid record. Yeah. And I say the last Judas Priest record was really oh, good too. Firepower was great. Firepower yeah. was fantastic. That's a really good one too. Uh, are they essential records? Probably not. But when you're talking about bands like that, you're stacking up against uh, Sad Wings of Destiny and uh, you know British Steel. Yeah. And uh, in the case of ACDC, I mean, just name one, and you know, so. Uh, but I will give them credit for still putting out a great record this late in their career, ACDC and Judas Priest. Now, here's a question. Tool or this whatever they're calling this Pantera thing opening for Metallica? On this festival or in general? Yeah, yeah, no, on this. I'm, I'm still hung up on this six-band angle. I you know, still I just, think Jason made the most valid point, and that's what went through my head when you asked why not Judas Priest. I think there might be an availability issue. As much as we'd like to think, why don't they just drop everything and, and be part of this show, uh, the logistics and the commitments and that sort of mm-hmm. thing might prohibit somebody from doing it. Because Pantera makes sense now, now that we yeah. know about it, but how long was this in the planning, you know? Right. Well, the Ozzy and Priest were supposed to be touring Europe this spring and summer, and it got canceled. And Priest was actually, the, the album's done. They were supposed to be touring. They just booked this uh, um, Saxon Priest Uriah Heap track for Europe to gobble up some. So it's the complete 180, Dave. Priest was doing nothing. They were left high and dry because Ozzy had to cancel that tour mm. with them that's been canceled three times. Right. It's, and, but Priest has also been writing, too. So, uh, yeah. you know, they've got a new album that's basically done except for vocals, last I heard. And uh, mm-hmm. and the Ozzy-Judas Priest pairing was supposed to happen as far as three years ago. They had yeah. to keep putting it off, putting it off, either because yeah. of Ozzy or because of COVID or whatever. At some point, you just have to say, this ain't going to happen and we need to move on. Yep. And yeah. I, I, I think, you know, first of all, we're speculating here that Judas Priest was even part of this conversation. But if they <laughs> were, I think Jason, I go back to Jason, makes a, a valid point. They could simply have not been available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to throw something out there back to the, the regular tour, right? This is an observation I had. 
You know, um, the bands are playing every other night, you know, and look at it as like almost like it, it becomes a destination kind of thing and an opportunity because you got a middle day off right now. Like for John's going to come down here by me in Jersey, you're going to see the the Meadowland shows. But Saturday night's wide open. You, Pantera and Lamb of God are in Camden, uh, Volbeat and Hailstormer in Atlantic City. King's X is doing a club show in Long Island it becomes an opportunity for bands to get out there and you almost be like, wow, all these fans are around becomes a whole metal weekend, not just this Friday, Sunday, which I think is cool too. Yeah. I, you know, I looked into possibly attending one of these shows in Texas and the reality of it is for, for someone like me, I I've got a wife and a, and a teenage son. So it's a family of three and just going to a gig period will break the bank. And then Doing something like this where they have a day off, you can look at all the advantages of a day off, but all I'm seeing is another night in a hotel. <laughs> you know? right. So yeah. my expenses are, are you know, going through the roof and there's a day in the middle when uh, they're, I'm, I'm basically paying for meals in a hotel. So I see why Metallica does it because they have the luxury of taking a day off in between gigs and, and who wouldn't want that? Um, I can see families making a vacation out of this, sure. Um, I see what you're saying about it gives you an opportunity if you're another band to sort of slide in and maybe grab some of that audience. Uh, but for me, all I'm thinking is, and I might just be cynical and jaded, but all I can think is, oh, my God, that's another night in a hotel room and three more meals times a family of three. I'm going to spend an additional three, four hundred dollars on that day off in between. Well, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt here and say. This is something I was talking about when we first started this meeting here is that we're talking about the Rolling Stones. I'm sorry, Metallica, because when you go see the Rolling Stones, there goes your whole paycheck. When you go see Meta whole paycheck, Metallica, whole paycheck, Rolling Stone, whole paycheck, because yeah. it's travel, yeah. it's meals, it's rooms, right? You're not going to be gone one night. It's going to kill your, well, kill. It's going to, you're going to be gone all weekend. You probably have to lose money to go do this, right? Mm. I'm talking from working musician now. So I can't even think about going to the, you know, the 10 million in attendance in the round at some football stadium or some soccer field. This is old Jason Dutt can't do that anymore. Mainly yeah. financially. It just, It'll like just break down a wall in my house, and it's like a hurricane hit. Uh, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, yeah. Also, just just an opinion that like this power trip gig, I wouldn't be caught dead at it. I sound like a bitter old man or anything. It, unless I can sit in a lawn chair next to the lead singer's microphone, I, I ain't going. Right. Yeah, I, I, just can't, I can't go. I mean, maybe I'm showing my age. Maybe I've been spoiled a little bit. Maybe a little bit of both. Just saying. But I really think that it's completely badass that this is happening. That this is the, that we are back to normal and full fucking force and somebody's got the fuck somebody's got disposable fundage to go to these fucking concerts because i can't afford it yeah i i i agree wholeheartedly i was <laughs> yeah. going to say earlier when we started looking at this bill and talking about this uh this this concert this power trip festival number one i can't even begin to think of affording it and number two i honestly have no desire to be there and it's just because i'm old and i need to be comfortable and i don't want to be away from home for that length of time blah 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 thank you yes, dave I, yes, I can relate yes I'm, I'm being the cranky old man here but i will say this i'm looking at this lineup and i'm going i'm thinking to myself 16 year old me would kill to be at this show so there is a market for it it's going to be successful. Um, it's it's just I'm past it at this point. I, I've seen all these bands. They were great. I have great memories of them. Uh, I'm not going to the all day package thing that's in another city and it's going to require three nights in a hotel and two hundred dollar tickets and twelve dollar beers. Nope, ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm, I will interrupt again. I will say I'm sorry, John. It's like this. Metallica's got a new record out. 
any of these bands on Power Trip, these other bands, they got new records out? Not new. Uh, that's that's pretty rad. That I mean, well, Metallica, is, Metallica is poised and set for greatness this year because of this 72 seasons. There's yeah. no doubt. You can't argue with that because none of those other bands I'm looking at right there has a new record out. Right? No. Not brand now, new, no. As a 16-year-old, let's go around the horn. I saw Metallica in 86. DC I saw in 81. GNR Lies made in 82. Ozzy 82. And I've never seen Tool. So as a 16-year-old Vernomatic, you know, and, you know, I think I saw Metallica for the first, you know, it was, you know, $9. Yeah. You know, we all have the same story. It's just. um, My reaction to this, and I told Verno, was, I mean, I've been to a bunch of European festivals, and I said, where's the rest of the bands? I swear to God, I said that because I said, okay, these are great headliners, but that's 730 to 11. What what happens from noon to 6? Where's Anthrax and Megadeth and Volbeat and Hailstorm? Like, are we going to fill this bill up? I was fully expecting it to be like almost like a European style festival. And that was a downer for me. I'm like, well, if I'm going to go, man, I want to see another 10 bands. I want to do exactly what you don't want to do, Dave. But if we're going to push it, (laughs) we better really fucking push it. And there better be a reason to push it. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You do raise a good point, though. I mean, you look at a bill like this with these kinds of headliners and, you know, I'm looking at that Sunday night Metallica with Tool uh you sell this thing as as a destination as an event uh there's room for three bands before tool comes on you know yeah what do you show up at four like that's not a destination that's lame that's country <laughs> club living right yeah uh, but you, they're not advertising them so you have to assume that there are no, no. uh no. there might be a so it's not a genuine festival in my opinion yeah, interesting. Sure, surely there's you know a bunch of B level bands playing before, you know, Made Nazi and Tool. You would think, but nothing's been advertised. If they were if they were names that people recognize, you would think they would advertise them. They might put a lot of like local bands on a stage in the parking lot just to have some entertainment out there. But mm-hmm. if they were, if you were talking like bands that could do small theaters or even clubs and they were names that people recognized, I would think they'd advertise those. And I think you're right. I think, uh, Verno, you're right. When The Who played with The Stones and Roger Waters, I think it was just those bands. It was like two shows a night, and that was it for three days. Probably going to be the same. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I'd rather go see uh, Dangerous Toys in Jason's uh, backyard. There you you go. Now that one I would go to. I mean, I think (laughs) you should book a show in between these Arlington dates. The best of Jason. Get all your bands together and do a festival in your backyard. <laughs> Vernon and I will come. We will. I would die after. That's confusing too many people. I've got too many bands and I would die. <laughs> it would kill my vocals. Hey, Jason, how come Dirty Looks wasn't on the M3 this weekend? Didn't you get an offer, man? Are you guys, uh, I don't know. We got an offer last year, two weeks before the festival. The money wasn't right. And uh, we just basically weren't available. Uh, so, and it was because a band dropped out that we got the call. And that was last year. Uh, this year, we just, we got to do the cruise and um, we just weren't invited to M3. Were you on the cruise with Wigwam from uh, Norway? They were on the, they were on the cruise. We, uh, John and I had a great interview with, uh, what was his <laughs> name? Trond? He Trond. was awesome, man. The oh, guitarist. Was it? I forget his name, John. What was it? I think it's Thron. <laughs> but but he has a stage name. Yeah. Wiggly or no, something? No, no, no. It's a teeny. 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 <laughs> well, I didn't want to really tell him what in America teeny means. I just yeah. said, I guess you're a big guy, huh? What, oh, Jason, what was, uh, what was the highlight? What was some of the highlight bands that you saw that you're like, oh, they kicked ass. So, you know, you're happy you saw them. Rose Tattoo. Knew he was going to say that first. Angry Anderson? <laughs> Is he yeah. still angry? Yeah. Rose Tattoo. Play any basketball? <laughs> um, <laughs> saw Junkyard, Rhino Bucket, a oh. little bit of kicks, uh, DAD. 
But my top, my top would probably be Rose Tattoo. If I had to pick an order, and this this doesn't mean any harm to anybody uh, on the list, it would go like this: Rose Tattoo, DAD, Rhino Bucket, Junkyard. Cool. That was what well, I did on the cruise. That was that was I knew there that where I that's what I was going to be doing in my downtime on a boat for five days. So, mm. uh, but Bob. um, I saw like I said, I saw a little bit of kicks. I I missed Queensrÿche, but I saw a couple of great comedy shows. Um, Todd uh, Tory did uh, comedy, didn't he? Yeah, Todd Latore from Queensrÿche did a, a comedy set. It was pretty good. And uh, Reb Beach from Winger White Snake did a comedy set. It was great. And then it was uh, Florentine and Jameson. Yeah. And this female comic named Courtney. I can't remember God. her last name, but really funny shit. Really great. Uh, is it Courtney Dodd? Was that the... No, not I think her last name is Cronin, like uh, like Cronin Dold. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, mm. that's it. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> well, had, before had we great, get out of here, uh, uh, what's going on with the how are things that talk louder? What do you, what do you guys got coming up? Any surprise guests? Man, things are 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 busy. They're going well, um, and we've I think. We're just uh, thrilled week after week with some of the guests that we are, you know, agreeing to be on our show. Um, I don't know when this is going to air, but, uh, you know, just in recent uh, memory, we've had Tracy Guns, Mike Tramp, uh, mm -hmm. Nigel Glockler. Uh, we had Don Jameson. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always really pleased with the with the guests that we're getting. Uh, their names that people recognize and and they're a lot of fun too. So we had Billy White from Watchtower on the show, and that guy is like uh, a bit of a recluse now, but obviously we have connections. Wink, wink. <laughs> so uh, Jason brought uh, Jason brought Billy onto the show, and his episode did really well. People are were eager to hear what he's been up to and where he's been because uh, they have a great deal of respect for him and Watchtower in general. Uh, so that was that was a great one. And yeah, the calendar remains full and uh, we're going to keep going. And uh, Jason and I have always said, we'll do it until it's not fun anymore. And it's been two and a half years and we're still going. So side note on the way I had drove back from Nashville for from Rock and Pod. And I listened to your uh, interview, the, the episode with uh, Kate. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. And, and I had a chance to interview him a couple of years ago, and it was like I was a fly on the wall. That was just a fantastic listen. The The enthusiasm just radiates from him, and good for him because there's a lot of uh, listeners. Uh, Caton DePana, DePena? DePena. From, mm -hmm. from Hyrax, and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, they, they're working on a new one. Some demos were just released, and Correct. They ha they're playing a show with the Rods, um, believe it or not. Um, some festival I just saw the other day. So, uh, again, the Talk Louder podcast, Jason McMaster, Metal Dave Glessner. Guys, thank you. It was uh, Thanks for taking the time. We're a little over. We're all busy, but well, we appreciate it. Your insight professionally on both ends. So, Thank, thank you. you thank you for your uh, just for just being cool and, and down to earth and and inviting us in to to be honest and and. Uh, and and even a little bit emotional because uh, Metallica and you know our topic today it's they're very close to my heart you know like Dave was saying they game game changer they okay. you know I, I I jest and I'm not I'm not you could insert any band you want here but it made a lot of people want to throw away their docking record when Kill 'Em All came out <laughs> rightfully so rightfully so you, you know what I mean it's like p ki kids. Pimply faced kids were like, you know, oh, I'll never be that cool looking or that pretty or anything. Metallica comes out and it gave them, a, it, this is our band. Yeah. And so, you know, if they had a whatever, you know, a XYZ record, it made them, oh, I'm, I don't want, here, you want this? Give it to their baby sister, you know? <laughs> 
I, I agree. And here's a little teaser for the Metal Mayhem ROC podcast. We are located up here in Rochester, New York, and Rochester has a special tie to Metallica. So yep. later on this summer, just keep your eyes out. We got something special for you listeners revolving around the Kill 'em All anniversary. Wow. Nice. July, tw- July 25th will be 40 years since that album came out. And guys, it was basically 40 years ago right now. They're about five miles down the street from where I sit recording Kill 'em All. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Game changer, man. Yeah. The album and the band. So I think I have uh, a letter from James written on the stationery from that. Music America? Studio. Yeah. No, it's a Garrett Alley. <clears throat> but it's somewhere out there. Says Barrett, Garrett. A- Barrett Alley is the street. Yeah, that's it. And the 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 recording studio was called Music America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The 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 word on the word on that studio was like it was like a a gutted out room somewhere. It wasn't even like a <laughs> there were spirits, bro, ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I don't Sim- I don't know. It, it's they symbols, talk about it. Symbols spun on their own. Yeah, ours was a little scared <laughs> to be alone. Yeah. Keep- yeah. That You'll find all, out more later later this summer. That was but. all part of it. It sounds great. Well, I'll let you say goodbye, guys. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. Us. It was a lot of fun, man. Good to see you again, Jason. Nice to meet you in person again, Dave. And uh, it's just killer, man. Great time. Hope to uh, get back on again at some point and geek out like we did last time and this time. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll pick up another cool me. topic next time. We'll come up with something else, right? Sounds cool. great. Thanks, just guys. A holler. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.